We have a purpose that God's revealing. We talked about it a little bit last week in this message called Drawn Together. Our purpose uh, is is given by God and it's really, uh, truthfully, it's revealed by power. Remember, we're following the the story of Moses. He has the burning bush encounter. He has an encounter with God. And it was there in that moment that his purpose was revealed. And, and we've been saying it uh, over and over again. We've got to get in our heart and spirit. We do not need smarter uh, Christians. We need believers who've had, who've had a genuine encounter with Jesus who would go out into our community carrying the fragrance of Christ. And our purpose is revealed in that place. And we, we quoted the, the, the Westminster Catechism that says it this way. It says, what's the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. That's our purpose. Is that we would do everything in us would glorify Him. And then we would enjoy Him here and then on into eternity. We learned last week that also our past can't stop our purpose. That is good news. That in Christ all things have been made new. All things have been made new. Listen, I, I, you, you know, n- not a lot of amens on that. You know why? Here's why. Because we really don't believe it. We really don't believe all things have been made new. I'm telling you, all things in Christ have been made new. You say, well, then why the old stuff? Why does the old stuff show up? We keep resuscitating the old man. We're supposed to leave him in a dusty grave. Leave him there, crucified with his passions and desire. Leave him in his grave. And become alive in Christ and walk in the newness that God offers. And then we learned last week that our purpose, our purpose is manifested when we are with his people. I love God's statement in Exodus chapter 3 that he says to Moses, he says, I have now come down, so I'm sending you. Which is the uncomfortable part. We're really good with God coming down and doing all of the work and us just being in the stands, being fans of God, going, Woo! Good job, God! You win the Super Bowl. <laughs> Only Jesus could beat Tom Brady. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Truth Truth be told, we're, we're really good with God coming down. We're just, not, we're just not really comfortable with God's plan that when he comes down, he sends people to people. And our purpose is manifest when we get connected with his people. We're going to understand a little more today about what it means to be drawn together. And, and so today in Exodus chapter 4, you look there, we're going to look at this continuing encounter that Moses is having with the Lord. I would encourage you to read uh, the whole of it. But in Exodus chapter 4, it says this, Then Moses answered and said, But suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say, The Lord has not appeared to you. So the Lord said to him, What is in your hand? And he said, a rod. And he said, cast it on the ground. So he cast it on the ground and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from it. 
And then the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And he reached out his hand and caught it. And it became a rod in his hand. That they may believe the Lord, uh, Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has appeared to you. This passage is stunning. And I believe there's a revelation in this passage of two things. It is the process of sending and going. It's the process of sending and going. We heard in Exodus chapter 3 that God comes down and he says, I am sending you. By the way, this is totally apostolic language. The, uh, the word apostle means sent one. And so when God comes down and begins to do something new in your life and then says, I am now commissioning you to a work, he is sending you with the same kind of authority that the apostles walked in. Not that you are called to be an apostle, but you now can operate in the authority that Jesus gives to believers. He sends you. Another word in the New Testament would be ambassador. One who represents a country with the full rank and power to stand in its stead. And so that's what an ambassador does. It fully represents a kingdom, if you will. That's what we're called to. And this passage describes the process of sending and going. By the way, I want you to understand, 2018, you will be sent and you will go. We have waited long enough. Can I, can I just say it this way? Revival isn't coming, it's here. Revival is not coming, it is here. Matter of fact, I've been looking at, at young, I looked at young people for 16 years in the face. And I said, I got into youth ministry for selfish reasons. I heard the word of the Lord. He says, the next major move of God is coming through young people. I said, well, that's where I want to be. I want to be where God's moving. So I, I begin to pray for revival and pray for a move of the Spirit. And 12 and 13-year-olds showed up. So I got the message from heaven that when we pray for revival, people show up. With a burning heart for the Lord. And so I want to just say, we've been praying for revival, and you showed up. You showed up in this time, in this hour. And according to Acts 17, that wasn't by mistake either. He pre-appointed the times in which you should live in the boundaries of your dwelling. He puts you in time and space for this moment that you might seek him, reach after him, and find him even though he's not far from each of you. This is the hour of the move of, a move of God. But a move of God always leads to a move of his people. His people begin to walk in what they could have been walking in all along. Now, Here's what you need to know about this process of sending and then going. Number one, we possess everything we need to walk in our purpose. You, right now, 
You have everything you need to walk in God's purposes for this time. You, you, you don't need anything else. I know what your mind tells you. I need to memorize a few more verses. That'll be good. Memorize a few more. But you still have everything you need right now. You're like, man, I, I feel like I need to be more faithful in, in coming to church on Sunday. Amen. Do that. Be more faithful. Get more plugged in. But you still have everything you need right now to live out God's purpose, to release revival and awakening in this region. You have everything you need. How can you say that, Pastor Otis? Because of what God said to Moses in this moment of encounter. He says this, what is in your hand? What is in your hand? Matter of fact, it says it this way. What is that? In your hand. Now, I don't know if you know this already, but God doesn't need a revelation of what Moses is holding. And he's not looking for an opportunity to scold him either, like a parent. What is that? No, 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 no. God doesn't need a revelation of what Moses is possess, what Moses possesses. Moses needs a revelation of what Moses possesses. Moses needs a revelation. And we need a revelation of what we already possess. Moses' answer, a rod. Common tool of a shepherd. Remember when God found him, he was on the backside of the desert shepherding another man's flock. Matter of fact, probably. This rod, he probably made himself. Found the right piece of wood. Begin to strip it. Sand it. And carry it for years. Just a common shepherd's rod. He's holding it. Now, uh, since most of us in here are not shepherds, God comes and says, what's in your hand? It's a broom. It's a broom, God. Picked it up from Lowe's. Just a broom. I've been sweeping ever since I got here. Just sweeping. Like Moses. Just got a broom. Most of us think of what we possess like this broom. And I don't know if you're like me, but you know, occasionally I pick up a broom at my house and I sweep the, the porch where the dogs come onto the porch after playing and somehow they attract more dirt than I thought was in my entire yard. So I go looking for my broom. It's just a common broom. All it does is move dirt. 
And God says, what is that in your hand? What is that in your hand? Just a broom, God. Matter of fact, I, I'm probably sweeping. This is the way we think. Because I did something wrong. I'm just sweeping because this is all I'm qualified to do now. Because, man, we're like Moses. We're like, killed that Egyptian. Buried him in the sand. And now, all I'm qualified to do is sweep. Just sweep. And for Moses, his rod must have been a reminder of his failure. He carried it every day. This reminder of his failure. But can I just say what the devil intends to be a reminder of your past will become a declaration of the power of God. It will become a declaration of who God is and what he can do. We also possess everything we need. Second Peter chapter 1. It's a glorious uh, chapter but in chapter 1 of 2 Peter, verse 2, it says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of our God and of Jesus Christ our Lord, as His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue. I love that statement. I'll come back to it. By which having been giving, given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Here's what you need to know. The scripture says, God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Glory and virtue. Glory and virtue. This is, this is awesome. That word virtue actually... Uh, is the same word that describes the woman with the issue of blood when she sneaks up behind him, touches the, the edge of his garment, and Jesus stops and says, Who touched me? For, the scripture says, he perceived that virtue had gone out of him. It's the miracle working power of God. I want you to understand something. When you got born again, you got raised from the dead. I said this yesterday at our seniors' breakfast. I said, I prefer to call people who do not know God through Jesus dead rather than lost. That's my, that's my personal opinion. Uh, just because the people who Jesus came to seek and save, the lost of Israel, were actually sons and daughters before and became lost. And then there was the sheep that was in the fold, the one 
who was in the fold, then got lost. Jesus went, goes and says, hey, the shepherd goes out, finds the one, and celebrates. Then there's the coin that was in the pocket, falls out of the pocket, goes and finds the lost coin, puts it back in the pocket. Then there's the son that was in the family, and then says, dad, I wish you were dead. This is the prodigal son story. And then says, okay, here's your inheritance. He becomes lost, comes to his senses, comes back, and is restored and made a son again. So the lost is, is kind of a tame term. To, to, to me, to describe my condition before God, before I had experienced the grace of God. Ephesians 2 says, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. And here's what you need to know. The miracle working power of God raised you from the dead when you became a son or daughter of God. And if, if you were raised from the dead, you possess everything you need. If you have faith to know I was dead and now I've been made alive, I have everything I need because he called me through that power. So we have to realize that we possess everything we need to walk in our purpose. And then second, uh, we've got to let go of everything we possess. Say, so, uh-oh, you're messing with me, Pastor. You're messing with me. I just, I just realized I had what I needed. And then you said, now i got to let it go. Yes, we totally have to let it go. God says, cast it on the ground. We've got to let go of all of our comfort, all of our gifting, all of the good things in our life, and all of the bad. We have got to totally let go of everything we possess. Everything we possess. We have to cast it down at the feet of Jesus. The bad and the good. The bad, we lay that down through a gate called repentance. When we have something that doesn't honor God in our life, we repent. We turn from it. We ask for the grace and power that raised us from the dead to come upon us so we can live apart from that sin. And Romans 6 says that sin shall no longer have dominion over me. Why? Because I was dead and sin died with me in baptism. Now I'm no longer subject to sin. Isn't that a different message than the one that we hear? The mainly we hear this message like, oh yeah, yeah, we're just going to sin, we're just going to sin. We do that to soothe people's consciences. We, 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 we say that. It's just not biblical. It, it diminishes who God is. So we let go of the bad. We, we cast it down through repentance. But one thing that we don't do very well is to take all of the good, all of the gifting, all of the things that God has given to us, has equipped us with. We don't take those dreams, we don't take those callings and cast those down at the feet of Jesus. And it is that which we need to cast down. All Moses needed was the rod he made in the desert. And the one thing that God asked for was the rod he made in the desert. And you have been carrying around maybe your gifting and the grace of God that's, that's on your life. Thinking, I've got to really cling to this. No, listen, listen. You don't. The good, the good things, the giftings, 
we lay down in humility. See, John 15 says this. You need to hear it uh, this way. John 15, this is Jesus speaking. says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. That means all of the good stuff, all of the anointing, all of the grace, all of the gifting that, that's on your life, it cannot produce unless you lay it down and abide. And that's what we have to do in order to walk in our purpose. We've actually got to lay down our education. We've got to lay down our, 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 our skills. We've got to say, God, we're going to put this before you. Apart from you, I can do nothing. Jesus speaking to his disciples in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, in describing how the kingdom really works, he says, if anyone desires to come after me, let him de deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Listen, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? He's saying, listen, this is the way the kingdom works. Some of you are just trying to, be, trying to become comfortable with your giftings and your callings and trying to just, just, to, just barely to step into them. And now your pastor is asking you to lay them at the feet of Jesus. I am. Everything good in us has to be submitted to him. And we have to walk in humility so that we don't usurp the glory that actually just belongs to him. Misty Edwards, she's a worship leader at the International House of Prayer in Kansas City. She wrote a song, says this, you, you got to go down if you want to go up. You've got to go lower if you want to go higher and higher. Well, you've got to hide and do it in secret if you want to be seen by God because it's the inside, outside upside down kingdom where you lose to gain and you die to live and i want to encourage you that on your journey from being from from sending to actually going that you lay down all of the good things god has brought in your life all of the great things you see when we let go it positions us for the supernatural the scripture says, so he cast it on the ground and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from it. Which I think is smart. You don't run normally towards snakes. But I think it actually describes mostly human behavior when it comes to the supernatural. When it comes to the supernatural moments when God moves our first reaction, having cast something down before God, and then God put something supernatural on it, is, I've got to get away from that. Matter of fact, I, I actually had this thought. I'm like, God, he had to know. He had to know what you made him write in Genesis about a serpent. Moses, remember, he wrote it down. And God says, throw down what's in your hand, and it becomes a serpent. It's like, this is the most confusing thing ever. This looks like the thing that deceived Eve. 
It looks like it, but it's God. So he's afraid, and he doesn't know how to operate in this realm. He has no idea how to operate in it. And what I, what I, wanna, what you, I want you to understand is that it, it's okay if you're absolutely terrified of the supernatural. It's okay. Because you should radically run away from all things supernatural that are not God. But when you learn the nature of God, you'll never be afraid of the supernatural. Why? Because God is good. I remember my first, I mean, my first radical encounter with the supernatural was with a supernatural answer to prayer. I had just given my life to God the night before. I'm supposed to be moving in with my, you know, my, my party, partying friends. The next day, they're selling drugs a little bit on the side for extra money, you know. They're doing a little bit of everything. And I am on my way to work the night after this deep encounter with God. I'm driving and I'm, sta- I'm, I'm, I'm at this red light in Lakeland, Florida. And I'm gripping my wheel going. God, I say this out loud, I cannot do this and live with them. So you've got to do something. And I just kept driving to work. When I arrived at work 10 minutes later, I get to, I get to my, uh, my, my work, I'm, I'm, I put the key in the door and I hear the phone ringing on the inside. Unlock the door, turn off the alarm, run to the phone, answer it. On the other end was, a, a, was someone that I had lived with formerly, a former roommate. He says, hey, can I talk to you about something? I said, uh, yeah, sure. Um, he goes, well, three days ago I got kicked out of my house. And I've been living in my car for the last three days. And I've had no idea what I was supposed to do. But a few minutes ago, I thought of you, and I had this thought, is there any way that you can stay living with your parents and I can move in with those guys? And I'm like, this is the first inclination that anybody knew of a transformation going on in my life. This is what I said. I said, "Uh, you have no idea what an answer to prayer you are. Sure, you can do that. (laughs) Click, and I'm like, alone. I'm like, I'm terrified God is in this place. (laughs) I was like, God, 10-minute prayers, really? Supernaturally, you start a process three days ago. I pray a prayer. You drop a thought, and then you start to move. Yes, God is good. Here's the great news about the supernatural. We do the natural. God does the super part. We do the natural. God does the supernatural. We pray God answers. We go God saves. We believe God heals. That's how it works. I want to sum this up by saying this last thing is that we must carry the supernatural to people. We've got to learn how to 
operate in the supernatural. You don't have a real encounter with Jesus, get baptized in his Holy Spirit just so you can feel good, just so you can have a heavenly language to pray in. No, no, no. You've got to carry that and get it connected to other people. There was a purpose behind Moses' calling. There's a purpose behind him laying down this rod. It's because he is going to impart this same supernatural behavior to Aaron's rod. He imparts this same supernatural encounter to Aaron's rod. And now Aaron's rod is doing the same thing that Moses' rod did. He throws it down. It becomes a serpent. It eats all the serpents. Before Pharaoh, all of the plagues that were released, it's Aaron's rod. Moses imparted this supernatural encounter that he had with God, with his rod, to his brother Aaron, who was carrying, who was carrying a rod. So much so that Aaron's rod started to be called the rod of God. That's wild. You see, we've got to carry the supernatural to people. He says, listen... Reach down your hand, take it by the tail. He reached out and caught it. He says, that they may believe. God has appeared to you. A person who carries a supernaturally transformed life will affect the faith of many over the course of their life. Moses led some three million people out of Egypt. And let me just say this to you. This year, you have a calling, Moses, to lead many out of Egypt. You have a calling to lead many out. Egypt in the Old Testament is the greatest type and shadow of sin. But your life in God's hands under his control leads to the liberation of people. And in much the same way, you would carry an anointing not just to see people set free, but so that, so that those people would be carried into liberty so that they worship the Lord. You see, I believe in a very practical sense that where your anointings and the supernatural things that you walk in are carried out are in smaller communities. We practically do that here through life groups. Can I just say, somebody needs your submitted broom in this church. Romans 12 says, uh, if, if your gift, if your broom is prophesying, do it according to your faith. He says, if, you're, if, you're, if, you're, uh, uh, if your broom is mercy, then do it and give it cheerfully. If your broom is giving, this is all Romans chapter 12, then do it with all liberality. But whatever you do, do it. We are the body of Christ. Each of us members. Each of us possessing something that God wants to put his supernatural power on. That will bless his people and lead others out of Egypt. Where that happens primarily in this body. We we experience it on Sunday mornings. We experience it in prayer on Wednesday nights. But it also happens in the context of real relationships in life groups.